Hello, my name is Jackson Barnes. This scripture reading comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Hey Grace242, there's an icebreaker discussion starter kind of a thing that my friend likes to ask and it goes like this, it says, if you could design your dream intersection of fast food restaurants, what restaurants are you putting on that intersection? So you get four corners to the intersection, so which restaurants are you building on each one of those four corners? And two of the restaurants that I would build on my dream intersection are thanks to my friend Toby Tomac, who is the Youth and Worship Director at First Reformed Church in Oostburg. Now as a quick side note, it just so happens that our elder, Brian DeMaster, here at Grace 242, grew up in First Reformed Church in Oostburg. And so while Toby and I were both youth pastors, he and I had gotten into the habit of attending a yearly youth ministry conference. And one year this youth ministry conference was in Indianapolis, and he had found out that just a few blocks away there was a Chick-fil-A in a mall food court. Now I had had Chick-fil-A in my life before, once, but I had ordered chicken strips and when I ate it they were fine, but I didn't understand what all the hype about Chick-fil-A was. But this time, at this conference, I got to go to Chick-fil-A with someone first who loved Chick-fil-A, but also knew the ropes of Chick-fil-A. And so I went with this experienced Chick-fil-A goer, and Toby told me, he said, Bill, just order the chicken sandwich. Don't mess with anything else on the menu. He said, make sure you get Chick-fil-A sauce so you can dunk your sandwich and your fries in there. And then he asked me if I like sweet tea. I said, of course. So he said, get the sweet tea. So I ordered. Now, Jesus holds the number one spot for change in my life but Chick-fil-A might be a close second. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding, I'm totally kidding. Of course, the order goes Jesus, Morgan, my kids, and then Chick-fil-A. <laughs> no, 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 no. But anyway, my eyes were open. It was amazing because I had followed the directions of this experienced Chick-fil-A lover. I understood what all the hype was about. It was incredible. It changed my life. I love it. Because Toby shared his love of Chick-fil-A with me, you all know how much I love Chick-fil-A. In fact, Derek Sogstad, knowing how much I love Chick-fil-A, just gave me one of these free entree cards because he said, I can't go without my wife anyway. She'll be super jealous, so here you go, Bill. So thank you, Derek. I'm excited to use this. But you all know how much I love Chick-fil-A. It's one of the restaurants on my intersection, which is why I bring that up. Now, to my second restaurant on my dream intersection. Toby and I were attending the same yearly youth ministry conference, but this time it was in Columbus, Ohio. We were driving and chatting, and all at once, before I even know what's happening, Toby says this, he says, there's a Raising Cane's here? And he starts pulling a U-turn, and before I even know what's happening, he pulls the car around and drives into the drive-thru and orders for us. And I'm going, what is this place? And he's just like, quiet, 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 quiet. He's just ordering, and I'm just like, what is going on? So he orders food for us, from this place called Raising Cane's. We bring it back to our, our room and we tuck in to Chicken Fingers. And it changed my life again with the same person. Here's another chicken fast food restaurant that is just blowing my mind. Toby explained to me that what Chick-fil-A is to the chicken sandwich, 
Raising Cane's is to chicken fingers. Again, amazing sweet tea, salty Texas toast. Oh, just blew my mind. I don't know how this man knows these chicken fast food restaurants so well, but he was right again. And thanks to Toby, Raising Cane's is another one of those restaurants on my intersection. So both Chick-fil-A and Raising Cane's belong on my intersection, thanks to my friend, Toby Tomek. Now, flash forward to the summer of 2019. We're headed to Appalachia Service Project, and en route to our destination, I know that we're staying at an eco church in Cincinnati, College Hill Presbyterian Church. And I know that we're gonna stay there, so I just go and do a Google search, and sure enough, there are Raising Cane's in Cincinnati. And we needed supper, and so thankfully, we were able to go to Raising Cane's that evening for supper, and I was just giddy. I bring the group in, and they're looking at the menu, and so now I'm just bouncing from person to person, and I'm giving them the same type of tips that Toby gave me about Chick-fil-A. I'm telling them the insider tips like, hey, if you don't want coleslaw, you can swap that out for another Texas toast or another dipping sauce. Get the dipping sauce, because it's amazing for your chicken and your fries. And I'm just, you know, I'm bouncing, and I just can't wait. And now I'm in the dining room, and I'm literally pulling together tables so that we have one big long table that we can all sit at and enjoy together and I just could not wait. I was giddy to see people try Raising Cane's for the very first time. And overall it got amazing reviews. In fact I picked up some extra chicken strips because people's eyes were bigger than their stomach. Bill you want this? Yeah sure thank you. <laughs> yeah food bag Bill. No, no, no. It was so joyful to share this love of Raising Cane's with all of these people for the very first time. Now, you're wondering where in the world is Bill going with all this fast food talk and all this chicken fast food talk? Okay, let me, let me give you the point if you haven't been able to discern it already, okay? Toby loves Chick-fil-A and Raising Cane's. And he shared that love with me. And now I love Chick-fil-A and Raising Cane's, thanks to Toby. And now I get great joy from sharing my love of Chick-fil-A and Raising Cane's with other people. You all know I love Chick-fil-A, and I got to share my love of Raising Cane's for the very first time with all these people on our mission trip. I've shared my love of Raising Cane's with some of our family members. The flow goes like this. Toby loves Raising Cane's and Chick-fil-A, and because of him, now I love Raising Cane's and Chick-fil-A, and because of me, various people within my circle of influence love Chick-fil-A and Raising Cane's as well. So one man's love, Toby Tomac's love, has now spread, multiplied, to many people. With that multiplication mindset, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 and 2. These are Paul's instructions to his own disciple, Timothy. Let's see what Paul charges Timothy with in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 of 2 Timothy. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. In verse 1, Paul calls Timothy his son, which underscores the very personal nature of a discipleship relationship, so much so that it's almost like a parent-child relationship. A parent trains their child up, loves their child, and trains them knowing that someday you're going to launch that child into a life of their own. And in the same way, a discipler loves their disciple and trains their disciple up knowing that someday they're going to launch their disciple out to go and make their own disciples as well. Look with me now at 2 verse 2. Paul says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. 
Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Look at Paul's flow here. It begins with, you have heard me teach. So it begins with Paul to Timothy. Next, it's now teach these truths to other trustworthy people. Next, it's Timothy to other trustworthy people. And finally, Paul says, who will be able to pass them on to others. Then, Timothy's disciples will pass the gospel on to others in their own circles of influence. The flow is Paul to Timothy, Timothy to others, and others to others. Paul has reproduced his life of following Jesus in Timothy, and Timothy, therefore, is to reproduce his life of following Jesus in people within his circle of influence. And then those disciples of Timothy are to reproduce their own lives of following Jesus in their own respective circles of influence. This is the multiplying disciples mandate that Jesus gave his followers in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Now our mission statement here at Grace 242 is being, making, and multiplying disciples. And we've been mapping that vision onto the relationship triangle. Discipleship begins with your up relationship with God. Discipleship begins with you being a disciple first. It all rests on your personal relationship with God. Being a disciple then means obeying Jesus who instructs his disciples to make other disciples. Making disciples means that we invite people in to our life. We give them access to who we are. We look within our circles of influence. We look for people in whom we reproduce our lives of following Jesus. But the mission doesn't stop here. We disciple our people of peace, training them to go out to reproduce their lives of following Jesus in others, in their own circles of influence. We multiply disciples by training our disciples to go out and reproduce their own lives of following Jesus. To go out is to multiply. Now let's map 2 Timothy verses 1 to 2 onto the triangle. Look at verse 1. Paul reminds Timothy to be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Paul is calling Timothy back to the source, Jesus, and the grace that Jesus showers us with. Paul reminds Timothy that everything begins with his up relationship with Christ. Everything rests on Timothy's relationship with Jesus. Now look at the first sentence and a half in verse 2. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people. Timothy was a person of peace to Paul. Timothy and Paul shared in space together. Timothy was open to learn from Paul, so Paul reproduced his life of following Jesus in Timothy. Then Paul says, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people. Just as Timothy and Paul shared in space, now Timothy is to look in his circle of influence to find a person of peace in whom he can reproduce his life of following Jesus. Paul uses the word trustworthy. These are in-space people because Timothy has to know them in order to determine their trustworthiness. Now look at that last part of verse 2. People who will be able to pass them on to others. Timothy reproduces himself in people of peace so that they are then equipped to go out and reproduce themselves in someone else. Now Paul is going to give similar instructions in the previous chapter. Let's look at 2 Timothy 1 verse 14 and we're going to read from the ESV. By the Holy Spirit, who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I like that word deposit there. 
deposit in this case is Jesus. It is the truth of Jesus Christ. It is a life of following him. One who has been made new by Jesus and now follows him. That's the deposit that Paul has entrusted to Timothy. The NLT uses the word truth instead of deposit there. The deposit is the truth of Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. In chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul is saying to Timothy, I deposited the truth of Jesus into you. Now, Timothy, you are to deposit your life of following Jesus into someone in your circle of influence, training them to deposit their life of following Jesus then into others. And the deposit goes from Paul to Timothy, from Timothy to others, from others to others, and the deposit goes on and on and on and on. Here's what author and teacher Bob Ronglian says about multiplication. By training and empowering his disciples to do with others what he did with them, Jesus built the principle of multiplication into the very DNA of his movement. Amazingly, within a few months of Jesus' death and resurrection, the number of Jesus' disciples had swelled into the thousands. And the book of Acts bears this out. Let's look at Acts for just a second. Let's start with Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 15. And, and as we look at this verse, pay attention to the number that's named there. This is when Peter got up to preach this famous sermon. Let's look at Acts 1.15. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. So what's the number we're given in chapter 1? 150. Okay. Now, let's look at chapter 2, verse 41. This is at the end of Peter's sermon. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Wow! So, from chapter 1 to 2, we go from 150 already to 3,000 in chapter 2. Okay, now look ahead with me at chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 4. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Okay, so now what number are we at in chapter 4? 5,000! And the text tells us that that doesn't even include children and women. That only includes men. So we went from 150 to 2,000 to 5,000 in the first four chapters of Acts. And Bible timelines say that Acts chapter 1 through 4 take place all within the same year. So in a calendar year or less, we've gone already from 150 to 5,000 believers. Back to Timothy. Paul instructs Timothy to multiply his life of following Jesus. Paul's life of following Jesus has been reproduced in Timothy. Timothy's life of following Jesus will be reproduced in others in his circle of influence, and those people will reproduce their lives in others in their circles of influence. And the multiplication goes on and on and on. This is how it works. Toby Tomac reproduced his love of Chick-fil-A and Cane's in me, and I've been able to reproduce my love of Chick-fil-A and Cane's in people within my own circles of influence, family members, friends, even people from church here. Toby's love of Chick-fil-A and Cane's has been multiplied in many different people. I'll leave you with this. Eating Chick-fil-A and Cane's those first times with Toby Tomek was awesome. They were wonderful experiences with a friend, and I'll never forget them. And I just find it so funny that he was the one to introduce me to both of these chicken fast food places. And I still 
love and get lots of happiness from eating Chick-fil-A and raising canes today. But the joy of sharing that love with others is multiplied all the more. Sharing that love with others is even greater than the original joy of eating it with Toby Tomac for the first time. When we arrived to Raising Cane's in Cincinnati on the ASP trip, I was so excited. First of all, that we were able to go there, that it worked for us to make this little excursion to Raising Cane's. But I was bouncing off the walls. I mean, I was giddy with excitement. Bouncing from person to person, explaining the menu, giving them tips, pulling tables together in the dining room because I wanted not only to be with everybody all at once, but I wanted to see everybody's reaction as they bit into those chicken fingers for the very first time. I had so much joy from being able to share raising canes with others. It was so much more multiplied than even that first time eating it with Toby. I think it's the same way with discipleship. I mean, our source of joy is Jesus. Our source of joy is in this up dimension, walking with him, living for him, following him, living in his grace. That is our source of joy. But how much more is that joy of living with Jesus, for Jesus, following Jesus, how much more is that joy multiplied when we get to share that with others? When we get to take our lives of following Jesus and pour that into somebody else, when we get to see the light bulb go on in somebody else as they begin to catch a vision for who Jesus is and what grace is and the things that he's done for us and his reign over this earth, how much more is that multiplied when we get to instill that and reproduce our own ways of following him in others? You know, how much more joy is it, does it give us when we read the Bible and we have these certain passages that we like to go to and then all of a sudden someone that we've been spending time with says, you know, I've been reading my Bible and, and I love these passages or I can see why you start loving those passages or, or when we see people start to understand the passages that we might go to or picking up on our vocabulary for his word or starting to catch a vision for who he is. I mean, the joy is just so much more multiplied when you're able to take your life of following Jesus and pour that into somebody else. My joy is in Jesus, but that joy is multiplied all the more when I get to reproduce that in somebody else. If you're experiencing a lack of joy in your life right now, find a person of peace and reproduce your joy of Jesus in them. In your house churches, I want you to talk about the power of multiplication. And we're even going to get a start on next week's message in this discussion point. Here's what I want you to discuss. I want you to discuss what are the differences between multiplication and addition? And even more so, maybe what's the difference between how the American church has typically done ministry and how Jesus gives us this vision of multiplying disciples? What are the differences there? How is Jesus' vision of multiplying disciples different from what we've typically known as ministry in the American church? What are the differences between multiplication and addition? Also, I want you to talk about what discipling a person of peace means if you're discipling them knowing that they're going to have to reproduce their lives in somebody else. How do you approach things differently? Or what do you do if in training someone up, you know that at the end of this, they're going to also have to train somebody else up? What does that mean for us discipling others? Those of you who have discipled someone else, maybe you can talk about the joy of the experience of seeing the light bulb go on, pouring your life into somebody, seeing someone catch a vision for who Jesus is, I'd love for you to share those stories as well. Here's what I'll close with. I'll close with this quote 
by Pastor Bill Wilkes. Here's what he says. Though challenging at times, discipling others will bring you genuine joy. The greatest joy in disciple making is multiplication. It is a cause for rejoicing when someone you have discipled steps out in faith to disciple others. Those who fail to multiply rob themselves of this joy and severely limit the fruitfulness of their disciple-making efforts. Love you, Grace 242.